Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. With where we started last week, the purpose of temptation. The purpose of temptation, I want to start where I started last week in 1 Corinthians 10, the 13th verse, the 10th chapter, the 13th verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now, we talked somewhat about that last week, of you understanding that uh, any time temptation comes to your, into your life, that number one, it's not going to overtake you. That's, uh, that's probably the hardest thing with temptation to get down into your spirit, man, is that this situation is not going to overtake me because of. And if you learn to stand on Scripture, you can just strictly go to this Scripture and you can explain to the devil in the name of Jesus Christ that this Scripture is for you and all of those like you that have Jesus on the inside of them. And, and that will eliminate you thinking. But most people, when it comes to temptation, get to thinking that this is what's going to take me under. If things don't straighten up and they're looking for a quick fix... They'll come in services and get under ministries like this ministry and get in the healing line and try to get a quick fix to get them out of their problem. But what you need to understand is the problem that you are in is the vehicle that is going to take you into a depth with God that you have never known. So really and truly, and as I said last week, uh, a few ministries uh, teach enough depth into this area that people can truly understand Two very vital principles into the kingdom. Number one, that if you're going to get in a church and you're going to learn the Word of God, persecution is going to come. Now, that's out of the fourth chapter of Mark. You've got to understand that. The devil is not going to belly up for you to grow up in the Word of God just because you decided that you were going to do that. He's just not... I mean, what's going to happen is all hell is going to break loose. Anytime that you decide that you're going to walk with this Word of God and you're going to grow up with this Word of God, then you're going to have to be faced and have to come to the place of understanding that the devil is going to try to take you under. In fact, my brothers and sisters, he's going to more desperately try to take you under than he's ever tried to take you under before, because if, in fact, you grow up by this Word of God, he is in a heap of trouble. Why would he be in a heap of trouble? Because you'll work the works of God through the name of Jesus Christ. Not only will you work the works of God, people that are around about you will see you working the works of God through the name of Jesus Christ, and that's going to give the devil's credibility a zero mark. And the devil just, you know, most of us today, we're Christians and we believe God will do this and God can do that. And, well, God can do anything he wants to do because he's God. And none of us have ever seen him do much, but we can all have that kind of a confession. Well, you should have that kind of a confession, but you also should be walking within that kind of a confession. And that's where most of us uh, fall very, very shy. Uh, well, not only the fact that the devil isn't, isn't going to, to belly up, he, you also have to understand that this place of bringing you into that depth with God is necessary for God to be able to use you in these latter days, especially these latter days that we're into. 
it's, it's essential for you to understand the purpose of temptation. Uh, again, it's not something terrible that's happening to you. If you'll get, uh, and hopefully by the time this study is over, that you will be able to understand that it isn't something terrible that's happening to you. It is, as I just said uh, just previously, it is a vehicle that God is using to move you into a higher place with Him. Now, I'll go back and make this statement briefly. But if you will understand or been around people or maybe you yourselves have the same, uh, the same mountain in your life, you spoke to that mountain in the name of Jesus Christ. You've taken, taken uh, Mark 11, uh, 23 and 24, and you, you've used it, and you've used it, and you've used it, and you've used it, and you've used it. And in fact, you've probably mis- abused it, but now you've used it so much. But yet it didn't change. The situations that just keep coming, and it's case being the same. It's the same mountain. It's the same problem, and it's over, and it's over and over again. And it's the same thing. Well, you see, my brothers and sisters, there's people going to have those same problems, those same mountains when Jesus comes because they're not understanding the whole purpose behind the reason the mountain's there in the first place. All right? Now, the Israelites, geographically, uh, their wilderness existed between the Red Sea and the Canaan land. Now, that was a biblical uh, promised land. Uh, They had to go through the wilderness. And uh, we're going to be talking here in the next few weeks uh, uh, quite a bit about going through the wilderness and about them in particular as uh, our, uh, uh, maybe our uh, guide post, if you will, as to seeing how that they handled all this. Uh, The difference between their wilderness and our wilderness, their wilderness was uh, physical. Uh, Our wilderness is spiritual, all right? But it's real. It's very real. Okay, it's not geographical, but it's very real. The promises. Uh, now, uh, the promises that God gives to us into this in the book in the Bible are real, and we must learn to attain uh, those promises uh, each and every day, and not just to get a head knowledge. And I hope that this is going to give you more uh, more than just a head knowledge of it. Now. Uh, this wilderness that we're dealing with uh, is a wilderness of problems, difficulties, and confusion. And uh, you need to mark that down. The wilderness isn't like they uh, thought, uh, but the wilderness that we're dealing with is a wilderness that we're going to have problems, difficulties, and confusions. Now, uh, temptation relates to the promise through the condition. Now, we've already examined this last week. Now, I want to say that again. Temptation relates to the promise, through the condition. Now, God says, I will do this if you will do that. Okay? God says, I will, I will do this if you will do that. Now, how does that work? God says, I will heal you if, in fact, you will stand on the promise that by my stripes ye were healed. And, out, and then God also told us out of the first chapter of James that if we waver not, hmm? if we waver not, if we don't waver, if we don't become double-minded, if we don't try to live on doubt and unbelief and, and faith all at the same time, but if we will stand staunchly upon that, that we'll have it. If we don't, we'll not receive anything. Now, the Lord says, if you will do that, then I will do this. I will heal you. If you need to be healed, this will work. If you'll stand on Mark 11:23, uh, speak unto this mountain, uh, out of your mouth, believe it in your heart, you'll have whatsoever you say it. If you will do that in conjunction to what, other, what I just said uh, before that, 
then you will be healed over here. In other words, God said, if you will do this, if you will do this, I will do that. I will heal you. All right? Now, that's the way all this, the, the entirety of God's kingdom, the very principle of God's kingdom, it, it works. That's the very operation of it, the very depth of that operation. And you and I um, need to understand it. It is in the wilderness that the people, the Israelites, uh, came to the point of questioning the validity of the condition. And at times, the promise itself. And uh, all you've got to do is read that, and we'll be reading into that here in, in the near future somewhat today. But you need to understand. I want to make that statement again. When they were in the wilderness, they came to the point uh, of questioning the validity of the condition. And at times, the very promise itself. And you know that they did. You know, they got to the point of saying, well, you know, we, we might as well have uh, uh, died back there in, in Egypt as to have got here and all this went on. And, of course, they wandered around there uh, in circles uh, for 40 years, which uh, wasn't much to say for their journey, actually. They go by and say, haven't we seen this rock before? You know, I believe we've been to this place before. And on by they went, you know, a few years they come back around and said, I know we saw this rock last year at this time. In the back around they go. Well, they kept going into that. Well, now, the, the thing that you need to understand about that is they weren't going to go into that promised land until, until they had come to the place where they could fulfill, that they could fulfill within their lives that which the Lord God commanded them. All right? Now, uh, God's, God permits the wilderness experience to bring about this confrontation, and He permits that to happen. You have to see the validity of his condition and fulfill them before you can move on. You have to see the validity. We never look, we never look at the validity of the condition. All we're looking at is how horrible the situation is. That's all that we ever look about, look at when we're in the midst of going through all the going throughs that we go through. Some people are waiting on promises that will never be fulfilled because they have made that choice. They have made that choice, and uh, there's always that choice to be made, as we talked about last week, to either believe God or to believe the situation. And you have that choice. I have that choice. Many of us have to make that choice, choice each and every day, uh, whether we're on the job, uh, whether we're at home, whether we're in church, whether we're just sitting around in the backyard. You still have to make those, those decisions, and those decisions, ultimately enough, are going to mean whether you're going to walk uh, in the blessings of God or you're going to keep banging against that mountain. And uh, believe you me, you can keep banging against that mountain until uh, Jesus comes and uh, the Lord will let you do it. Uh, look with me in Proverbs, uh, the 20th chapter, and the 21st verse. The 20th chapter and the 21st verse. <clears throat> An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning. Now, in Proverbs 20, 21. But the end thereof shall not be blessed. Now, I want to read that again. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. Now, it's just this simple. Too much, too soon. Too much, too soon will take you under. Now, I'm going to use me as an example. And I'm probably the best example I know because I live with me every day. When I first started the church over in Illinois, I had held a revival in that town. 
God sent me to that town. God, in a vision, told me to show me the town, instructed me exactly how to go into that town, exactly how to advertise. And he simply, through that, he said, I want you to go in that town. I want you to rent a building. He said, I want you to put a sign out front that says revival. He said, that's all I want you to do. I don't want you to put it in a paper. I don't want you to put it on the radio. I don't want you to put it on the television, the cable thing there. He said, I just want you to put a sign outside that says revival. He said, that's what I want you to do. We did that. We were there for some three weeks or maybe a little more than three weeks. And the Lord God uh, multiplied that crowd that started out with, I think, about 10 people over to over 300 people. He multiplied it, kept multiplying, 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 multiplying. And uh, a few months later, then the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go and establish a church in that town. Now, that, that kind of a thing's happened to me all over southern Illinois. God would tell me, you go into this town, you do it this way, and I'll do it that way. What was he doing? You do this, and I'll do that. And all I did was just go do what God told me to do, and it worked out every time. Nobody knew me. They didn't have to know me. God, by his Spirit, could do what he wanted to do, and he did it. So now when I went in to, to start the... Uh, and, of course, any time you go into these towns and you hold revivals, ultimately people will come to you as an evangelist and say, Oh, uh, Brother Deckard, if you just had a church in this town... I'm telling you, Brother Deckard, if you just had a church in this town, we'd all be here, and, boy, what a glorious church it would be. Well, you know, I'd, I'd heard that for a number of years. So anyway, uh, when I went back into Fairfield, I thought, Now, all those people that came to me and said, If I had a church there... I wonder how many of them will show up. And I, so Kay and I sat down and I said, well, it looks to me like there will be a possibility of us starting somewhere of about 100 or 150 of those people. And I thought, boy, this is, this is just absolutely, just absolutely great. So I started praying and fasting and believing God, and that's when the Lord God introduced me to Proverbs 20, 21. Didn't even know it was in the Bible. And the Lord God said, huh, too much, too quick. He said, ruination of ministries, ruination of people. He said, that's not the way you're going to build that church. He said, that's not the way you'll ever build a church. Sure enough, it wasn't. We started with 16 people. 16 people. And out of the 16, uh, me, Kay, and the two boys was four of them. My folks were two more of them would have been six, would have brought the actual crowd down to ten, except uh, my mom and dad had two friends that they brought, which would have brought the, you know, even brought it down to, to less than that. So it came down to the point where we probably had about ten people that were actually from that town itself. And we built that uh, up on one stone after another stone after another stone after another stone. And I have found and understand that from God that that's the way God does things. That's the reason, my brothers and sisters, with our own personal growth and walk, you're not going to get too much too soon. That's the reason, and we go back and we begin to talk about the charismatic movement, of which I'm assured that we're very much a part of, we find ourselves in, uh, teaching within ministry so much that, well, you know, you receive the infillment of the Holy Ghost, you speak with other tongues, the power of God is now yours. That's all truth. The problem of it is, is it's there, but it's dormant. It's not working. Because if it was working, my brothers and sisters, you, of a fact, would be working miracles, moving mountains of every time, shape, and form. The, the potentiality of that is more than real. It will work, but it's going to be in what? In time. It's going to be in time. It's not going to be something that is going to happen to you overnight. And that is a fallacy 
that has been taught within uh, even the Pentecostal church uh, for years. It just isn't going to happen to you overnight. And because it doesn't happen to us overnight, what's the next thing that does happen? We become distraught with the whole field, don't we? We go through, temptation comes, like I said, because most, most churches, ministries, don't teach into this kind of a depth. So temptation comes. Persecution arises for the Word's sake. The devil beats them over the head and steals the Word from them. And they're standing around going, well, what happened? Wait, I've got the power. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost. What's happened here? What's happened to me? Well, what's happened to you is that you're fulfilling Scripture and you need to understand the process, the principle in which God brings forth His children, of which, again, we're not taught, or not taught at enough regular basis to get it down on the inside so that we can understand it. Uh, anything instant never works, my brothers and sisters. I've often said this, and it's always a pretty good rule of thumb. If, in fact, God was to turn you loose with all the, the power of, the God, of God, when you receive the infillment of the Holy Ghost, which is the power, and you had all that power working, you know what would happen? You think this church, you think the church is a mess today? No, it's no mess. No, I guarantee you, God's got things in better hand than we think He does. Because if He turned everybody loose with the ultimate power of the Holy Spirit, this thing would be such a mess that I don't think, uh, well, I don't, other than God intervening, I mean, just totally, we never could get straightened out. Because you would be using that power. You find out that power worked, and you know what you'd be doing? Hmm? You'd find out what I wrote that book on out back there about blessings and cursings. You'd find out if something didn't work out, all you had to get, do is get on your face and curse it in the name of Jesus Christ, and it'd die. That'd be it. It'd be the end of it. Then you know what had happened? When the first charismatic church, come on, when the first charismatic church decided they weren't going to do this, the United Charismatic Church would just get on their face and put a curse on them, and that whole movement would die off. Some of you say, well, I don't know what that all that strong. You bet that it's that strong. You learn to work in the power of the Holy Spirit through the name of Jesus Christ, as God will let you do as you prove to God that you can handle it. And that's the only way you ever will work in it. And, don't, and that's the reason uh, these, these flaky people that all proclaim hearing from God and all the visions and all this... Now, that kind of flakiness will show because there's never any power there to work with that kind of stuff, see? Um, if those people really had attained that place with God, uh, uh, then they would uh, be working in some power that would be definitely visually uh, uh, something in itself. But uh, you, don't, you don't see, you hear a lot. Again, talk's cheap and you hear a lot of people's mouths rattle and run off with itself about doing this and they do that, and, but you don't ever see the evidence of it. Uh, the fact of the matter it is that God has given you the power through the infillment of the Holy Spirit, but you are going to uh, be seeing that power released a little bit of a time. And so when it does come to the place when you truly can, now I know some of you are saying, but the Bible says that that which I curse in His name will be cursed, and that's true. That which you bless in His name will be blessed. That's true. But the fact of the matter of it is, uh, how many times can you walk by a fruit tree and curse it and watch it wither from the root up and die? We're talking about producing it, not just saying that you can produce it. We're talking about people, men and women of God, walking the face of this earth today that actually, uh, actually have that type of power working within their ministries because they have paid that price to walk in that area. And that's exactly what it is. 
so when they do get to there, they have gotten there through so much going through the wildernesses of their life. It don't mean very much, folks. It don't mean very much. People that don't, that don't have that, that doesn't possess that, think, oh, wow, what a trip it would be to be able to curse and, and to watch it work through the name of Jesus Christ. But once you ever get to that position where God turns you loose, you've been through enough hell that it don't mean nothing to you. It does to other people. It doesn't mean anything to you. Why? Because you know where you come from. In other words, it's not too much too soon. It's here a little. It's there a little. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And that's what it's all about. We need to understand it. In other words, what I'm wanting to get into your spirit this morning is that it ain't going to happen to you instantly. And that's something that, again, a lot of the church was never taught. Most of the church was taught, you've got the Holy Spirit. Now you can go out here and you can do anything. You can, as soon as you grow up in this Word. As soon as you grow up in this Word. This Word is the, is the prerequisite to the power working. See, the Word is. Once the Word becomes life to you and you're able to walk within it, then it will become, then the power will be present, will be present to do what? To produce the Word that's in you, to produce it. Well, Moses warned the Israelis, Israelites, I'm sorry, about four things that, that could happen. And we're going to study these, but I want to give them to you before we get to them. Um, when they received riches and had eaten until they were near full, he warned them about four things. The first thing he warned them about, he says, that they could easily forget God. You need to write that down. See, success will cause this to happen to you. You're not careful. It's easy. It's easy uh, to get yourself in a place to for, just forget God. Hmm? Number two, uh, they could attribute their good life to a source other than God. How many people you ever hear about saying, oh, I'll tell you, I studied and got through school and got myself a good job. Who are they, who are they attributing their success to? Themselves. Huh? Themselves. Oh, I'm telling you, I, I got out here and I worked 60 hours a week and, and look what I've got. Look what, I, look what I've got. Look what I've done. i got news for you. The Lord God says that, that, that it's Him. It's Him that does the blessing. It's Him that brings forth. It's not you. It's not we got all we got to do is comply unto the word of God. Some of us, even to this world, that don't even know the Lord God, because the principle of the kingdom will work in some instances, even for people that are out here in the world. And this is one of them that does. Everything that we have comes from the hand or through the hands of the Father. Amen. Everything, whether saved or unsaved, through the hands of the Father, it comes. And there's going to be a cutting off period of. Uh, uh, that's going to take place on the face of this earth when the, those heathens are not going to receive the blessings. Not like they're openly receiving them now. There is an overall blessing that's on the face of this earth. There will come a time when those blessings will be reserved and given only unto the Lord God's children, which we are, thank God. Three, they could provoke God by trying His patience. And boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, the Bible, um, we have touched somewhat on patience here in this church. We will touch much more on it in time to come. Uh, you can try God's patience. God gets tired. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't get too concerned about a lot of things until I hear the Lord God begin to say to me, I'm tired of this. 
I'm really getting tired of this going on. I'm really getting tired of it. I just finished here, as you all know, with the, the fruit of the Spirit. And I thought, well, we probably wouldn't have to get back into that for, for another year or so here in this church. And, and I had done it probably a year and a half or two years ago over in Illinois. And I'm up behind the pulpit, and the Lord God revealed to me that He just wasn't exactly happy with the way that was, what was going on in that church. And I thought, well, I've been praying. God, you had not showed me anything. I've been teaching. I've been, I thought we was reaching some pretty good depth over there and in some areas that the Lord had let me uh, lead them into. And the Lord God, He uh, revealed to me, though, He said He wasn't happy about it. And, uh, and He also mentioned the Word. He was becoming very tired of these people not adhering unto the Word. So uh, come to find out, the next service, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to, we had a sweet sister over there, the oldest sister that's in that church. That church is this church, is relatively a very young church in age-wise uh, anyway. And this old, older sister went into the hospital for an operation. And uh, she was very discontent about the fact of whether she should go or shouldn't go uh, for that operation. And she went, and anyway, uh, she was in there for some ten days, and so the Lord asked, told me, he said, I want you to ask how many people here uh, went to visit her. I thought, well, that wouldn't be a hard thing to do. So, so I said, how many people went to visit sister such and such when she was in the hospital? Raise your hand. The Lord said, have them raise their hand. One person raised their hand in that whole congregation. And the Lord said, that's what's wrong. He said, that's what I'm talking about. He said, that's what I'm tired of. And I said, one person. I said, turn around. I want you all to turn around and look. And the Lord said, you know what it is? It's selfishness. He said, you have taught these people and you have lullabied these people to sleep. They have come and they have watched the power, my power work, meeting after meeting after meeting. He said, well, he says, Guess what we're going to do? So I'm teaching them the fruit of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, God said we're going to teach the fruit of the Spirit in that church so long and so hard that it could be that that church will dwindle down to the place where me and what few's left will be able to meet in my office and have service. And believe you me, that's going to be quite a thing for me to, to, to be able to, to, to say uh, to people. says, well, how's the church getting along? I said, oh, I don't know. The five of us met in the office this evening. Huh? But you understand something about God. God is long-suffering, patience. God is that. But my brothers and sisters, there comes a time with God, and it was throughout this book, when God gets tired, and tired enough, long enough of something, it's going to change. You hear what I'm saying? It's going to change. Some of us try God's patience... And we see him, it goes on, it goes on. You, and it all comes down to the, 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 the whole Scripture of being willing and obedient to eat the good of the land out of the book of Isaiah. It's the, good and, it's the willing and the obedient that eat the good of the land because we're not being obedient to God. There's areas we know we should be doing things in, we should be advancing in the areas, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the Lord God says, well, this has gone on, this has gone on long enough. I've, I've actually had people get in healing lines with me and I've actually come up to them and, and started to say, what is it you need? Instead of saying, what is it you need? They say, the Lord has told you over and over again that if you don't quit doing this or this or this, 
you're going to get yourself in a bind. Not even know the people. Now, what kind of people does God say that to? Well, I'm going to tell you, He would never say that to anybody, but what He hadn't dealt with once or twice or three or four or five or six or seven, usually usually uh, uh, dozens of times. And it just got to the place where he it just got to the place where he got to the place where um, his patience. You had tried his patience so long that he finally got around somebody to get it was obedient enough to him that I open his mouth up and say something like I do, and then they get mad at me for saying it. See, they get mad at me for saying it, but all I've done was being obedient to God. Well, the story of it is, if you will adhere into those things, it'll change your life. Some people will, and some people won't. The fourth thing, they could test and tempt God. Now, he says that uh, this is one of the four things that after they have received riches and, and eaten until they were full, could happen that they could test and tempt God. How do we provoke God? Uh, the Israelites did it by asking for more than God wanted them to have at that moment. Now, that's what they did. They wanted more than God was willing for them to have at that moment. That's what gets happening to you and I, and we, you, don't, you don't even realize that you're tempting God or provoking God through that. But wanting, you're wanting more. See, there are people that begin to demand, demand miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. And you don't understand. And the Lord's looking at you and saying, well, what right have you got to start demanding miracles out of me? You, you, you can't even walk down the street with your head screwed on right with my word without your thoughts even getting all messed up and getting into other areas or physically getting into the other areas or speaking into other areas. And here all of a sudden now you're down here trying to demand me to do this and to demand me to do that? No, no, no. You see, that works for people that have adhered unto the Word, that walk according to the Word of God, that have heard the Word and become a doer of the Word of God. I'd like to get down to using the Word, and I probably will, just becoming a friend of God, just becoming a friend of His. And, and it's important for you to understand that, that how this all works and why it works the way that it does. I used to question, well, why, does, why can that one work the works? Why is that one more anointed than that one down there? Well, there's something to do with the fact that the anointing that God puts in each of our lives from the foundation of this world, there's a big part of that that has to do with it. But there's not an anointing that's in this room today, including the one that's standing behind this pulpit, that cannot increase and increase and increase and increase and increase and increase each and every year. If, in fact, you'll, you'll, you'll learn and understand areas that you need to be in and things that you don't need to be in, right? Now, they wanted a sign greater than that which pleased God. God's not going to do anything any different than what God decides He's going to do. Now... Again, young Christians often do these kind of things. Uh, they get convinced that God will do anything that you want to ask, and they get into these things, and it doesn't work out. And when he doesn't, then the next thing you see him, you see him down and out. You see him back and way off, or, or in some cases, they get to living in a fantasy bubble. I call it a Holy Ghost goose bubble. And they get trying to live into that and getting people, trying to get people, trying to get people to believe that they're living in such a spiritual realm. But as a matter of fact... Um, there is no such a thing. There's a word realm that you can live in. I'm not sure that uh, that does not become a uh, spiritual realm, but the fact of the matter is you don't become so spiritual that no one else can ever attain or be in that same area with you. We all walk in different places with God. There's places you can be strong and I can be in this area. 
I know over in Illinois, after this amount of time that we've been there, we've got people over there that are strong in certain areas. And when there's certain things come up that need to be counseled with, I'm able to say, you need to talk to brother and sister such and such, or you need to talk to sister such and such. She's been through this and has come through it in the name of Jesus Christ and can tell you how she did it, or he did it, or they did it. You need to learn to draw from those things. Now, when riches, spiritual or material, come... Uh, you have to be able to handle them, okay? You have to be able to handle them. You've got to be able to handle them. If you can't handle them, uh, whether they're spiritual or, or again, uh, uh, things that you can get a hold of, material things, when those, when those blessings come, if, if you can't handle them, they'll take you under. Why? Because you will end up letting that be your God. You'll end up letting that be what's driving you or guiding you instead of the Lord God. And there again, that in itself makes so much sense for you and I to understand the whys and why God isn't going to let those kind of things come into our lives uh, too early, being the power, being the riches, being the blessings, uh, overcoming blessings. Uh, because of the fact we just can't handle them, folks, we're getting ourselves in a place where we would make a mockery out of religion itself or out of the Lord God which is actually one and the same. Now, because uh, um, I always like to say because somebody cuts their finger off with a power saw, it doesn't mean that everybody should not use a power saw. It just simply means that you need to understand that there are certain instructions that go with the use of a power tool such as that that you need to learn to adhere to. And if you don't, you could cut your finger off or cut your leg or something. But if you'll properly use it, the power is there to cut the board. Okay, you plug it in, push the button, and away you go. But the fact of the matter is, if you misuse that thing, it cut a finger off. Real slick. Real slick. Now, uh, the Israelites wandered in the endless circles in their wilderness, and, and uh, some of us are uh, going around the same types of circles ourselves within the wilderness of, uh, of the things that we're going through, the problems and, and such what, the temptation that we're going through. And you need to understand that that is an endless circle. And as I said before, if you'll think back of some of the things that you're going through, I like to put it this way. If you've still got the same problem, and you've been in this church now for a year and whatever, and you've got the same problem in your life that you had a year ago or a year and a half ago, then you need to understand something. That wilderness that you're in, you're just going around in circles with that thing. And that's what we're doing here. We're going to teach you how to get out of that wilderness. We're going to teach you how to come out from, from that wilderness. Now, uh, to take pride in suffering and poverty is just as, just as disastrous as getting yourself wrapped up in the pride and accumulating riches and high positions. Um, there's, again, the balance of this thing is so very, very important. A lot of the church, uh, you know, Pentecostals got into that old thing about being sick and being broke. The, the, the broker you were, the sicker you were, it seemed like the more God loved you somehow and I never could get into that. I just, I, uh, and then you got over here in this other bunch, and bless God, they were all, you know, Cadillacs and and Continentals and swimming pools and all the riches and all that. And and I keep saying, there's a middle of that road. There's a middle of that. There is a balance to this thing that will work in every Christian's life on the face of this earth. And it doesn't need to be that up there, and it sure doesn't need to be that over there. It needs to be a balance to that. In other words, they need to come this way, they need to come this way, and they need to have a little bit of, of, of somewhat of that, of understanding of that anyway. I'm not saying they should have poverty or sickness in their lives, but they need to understand. So many of the charismatics go around talking never being sick, and they're the ones that are sick all the time. All the time. 
And there again, you've got to understand something. Sick is sick. I don't care how you cut it. I do believe in positive confession. I believe in that. But also believe in the fact that you've got to, re- you've got to face and you've got to understand it. I think in the beginning of this church and very often within this church, I have tried to get you to understand you've got to get honest with yourself. You've got to understand where you yourself are walking with God. You have to understand, are you walking in a, in a bubble-type fantasy with God, or are you truly walking where you think you are with God? Okay? And that is important for you to understand in your walk. You have to know where you're at. Because if you're living in a fantasy bubble, as I said before, always sick but yet saying, I'm never sick, that's good confession. But if you're still always sick, something somewhere ain't jiving. Something somewhere isn't working out. And that's, again, a part of what we're doing here. We're going to teach you, uh, we're going to teach you about, uh, about that. Now, in Philippians 4, one of my favorite chapters, Philippians 4, 12. It says, I know both how to be abased. Now, that word abased is made low, and I know how to abound. Now, this is Paul speaking. That means be prosperous. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul knew that. Now, that's Philippians 4.12. God wants to bring us to a place where we can be willing and obedient on a full or empty stomach. You need to write that down and underline it. See, uh, most of us, most of us, don't understand that the wilderness experience is necessary in our lives to bring us where God wants us to be anyway, all right? But God never intended for them, the Israelites, and or you and I, to make that wilderness our permanent residency. It was a place for them to come through, all right? Now, we go through because we have to learn dependency on God. We have to learn dependency on God. Now, there in that 12th verse, uh, Paul was relating the fact that he knows how to be a, how to be abased and how to abound. He's been in both of it. He knows how to. In other words, he does say you need to be able to to serve God, to worship God, to praise God when you're at your lowest point and when you're at your highest point. Now, that's the one of the biggest problems within the church today. Even with this church, this church doesn't have the problem the one over in Illinois does. When that church over in Illinois, it seems when there's a problem, they all have the same problem at the same time. And you can tell, but you, 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 you can tell when you walk up behind the podium. You, you, praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus, I, oh, Jesus, I love you. And then when they're all abounding, Bless God, we have tremendous services. Our services are dictated to by how they feel. But you see, what God wants you to do is to be able to perform in Him at that low point. He doesn't have any problem with you doing it at the high point. You all do it at that. But God wants you to be able to do that in the mist, in the mist of the wilderness. That's, again, what happens to too many of us. We can't do that, so we're not sowing any good seeds and... The next thing you know, things go from bad to worse. Also, in the 13th verse of Philippians 4, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And that's uh, been the statement that I made that God, that, that uh, wilderness experience is to bring you to a place where you have complete dependency on God. 
when we learn this and stop forgetting God as soon as things run smoothly, we'll be in pretty good shape. Most, I know people that seek God with everything they got every time they got a problem. Hmm? And the minute that problem's over, they quit seeking God that hard. They may pray, they may pray an hour every day in the midst of their uh, wilderness. They may, pray, they, they, may, they may fast three days a week. Hmm? They may read the Bible uh, an, hour, an hour and a half every day. And all of a sudden they come through that wilderness, huh? Then they got about five, ten minutes to pray a day. Come on. Then they got about 20 seconds to read the Bible or one verse to memorize it. What happens? You impress, impress God. The only thing that you're doing it out, you're doing it out of necessity, out of need. But as I teach and believe that that's where it all has to start anyway. That's where it started with them. That's where it's got to start with us. Out of necessity, out of need. And you seek God. And a lot of people come out of this wilderness experience not even understanding the principle of coming out. They just flat start doing the Word and the Word work, which is the principle of coming out of the wilderness that's in your life. And they come out from under it, and they don't know, and they've never been taught. Now that you're being, t- being taught, you can understand. You learn to seek God both when you abound and when you abased. You learn to seek God. You learn to keep on seeking God, seeking God, seeking God on a daily basis. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, get ready because this isn't going to sound spiritual enough for most of us. The way you do that is you make yourself do it. Said, oh, Brother Deckard, you mean you mean you mean the Holy Ghost isn't going to come over me and say, oh, Brother Deckard, I want you now. I'm going to lead you in the Book of Jeremiah to study tonight. No, no. You're just going to have to learn to start studying. You're going to have to learn to set a time aside to pray. You're going to have to learn to set time aside to fast. And stay with it. That's what I'm going to tell you something. Consistency moves God. Most of us don't get consistent enough with God. We only get consistent with God out of our need. And that won't work with God. See, when you get good, things get going good, you forget God. And that was the first thing Moses told me. He said, things get going good, you forget God. That's what we get doing. Oh, the money's rolling in now. Oh, got a good job. Well, we won't. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not near as concerned about that now. Well, you shouldn't be concerned about the job, but you ought to still be understanding what got you into that place was you seeking God. You can just keep going around circles all the rest of your life looking for a good job if you want to, and that's what some of you are going to do. Or you can begin to understand something. Seeking God and moving into the areas that God wants me to move in will produce that job. It'll produce it. It'll produce it. Uh, then we don't need the reminders of the wilderness any longer. Uh, we've entered into the promise. When you come out from under that wilderness or come out of that wilderness area, you don't need it. Hey, you've got the promise. You've got the promise. God wants people to come to Him because uh, of seeing our lives. And most of us don't understand that. God blesses you. God blesses you so people can see Him in that situation. Scriptural basis, Jeremiah 33. Turn there with me. Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33, 8 and 9. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. And and it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations of the earth. 
which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And that's what it's all about. That's Jeremiah 33, 8 and 9. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's the reason. That's the reason behind it. In Matthew 5, 14, Matthew 5, 14, Year of the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. See your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So there it is. God wants people to come to Him because of seeing our lives. Seeing our life. That's the reason He blesses us. That's the reason all this takes place. Now, I'm going to give you now the law for provision. If you're taking notes, you need to get this down. This is the law for provision. Now, God gives us a promise in the book. Amen? It's in the book. He gives us a promise, which is linked to a principle. That promise is always linked to a principle or a condition. It always is. You don't, you, you know, I, I'm standing on the promise. Well, you may be standing on the promise, but honey, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do the condition, okay? Now, that condition is always followed by a problem, by a temptation, uh, if you will, in the wilderness. Uh, you've got the, you've now, you, you've now got the promise. You've now got the condition. You've now got the problem or the temptation in the wilderness that will ultimately lead to the provision. The provision is always there. The provision, you must understand, is always there. Given by God, promised by God. I mean, uh, given, ordained by God, if you will. That provision is sure. But in order to reach the provision, you have to understand that you are going to have to go through the temptation. You're going to have to go through it. Most people bog down in the problem area, where there's a problem, where that temptation is. And, uh, and don't understand that it's part of God's pattern. It's just part of God's pattern. It's the way God chose to do this whole thing. Now, I'm not saying I particularly care for the way that God chose to do this, but unfortunately, I didn't get any, didn't get that. Uh, God didn't ask me to vote on any of it, let's put it that way. And or anybody else that's ever been a generation on the face of this earth. God says this is the way we're going to do it. Now, the problem or the temptation comes as part of or the means of obtaining the provision. The problem or the temptation comes as part of or the means of obtaining the, the provision. Now, in James 1.12, if you look there with me, James 1.12, it says, James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Now, listen to that closely. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Promised to him that love him. Now let's look at Israel just for a minute again, and use the promise, the principle, the problem, and the provision. Their promise was the inheritance of the Canaan land. The principle... Well, the condition was the commandments that the Lord God gave them in connection to that promised land. Their problem was the wilderness that was performed, that they was wandering around in. Their provision was obviously the Canaan land. That was, that was, it was there. 
it was actually there. Now, in Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, if you'll turn there with me, Deuteronomy 8, the second verse, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Boy. <laughs> That's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? I want to read that again. Now, this is, Deut- this is Deuteronomy 8, too. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, comma, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Now look on over in the 12th verse. Least thou, when they'd eaten and are full, now we gave you this previously, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee, the, fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that might prove thee to do thee good at thine latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and my might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, See, there was the next one. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he will establish establish his covenant which he swore unto thy fathers as this day. And, And you need to understand the purpose of the wilderness is always, and is still today, is always to make us recognize our own insufficiency in ourselves. That's what that's all about. That, you know, when you see, you begin, when they were fat and full, they didn't need God, and Moses told them, he said, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. You're going to think you've done all this for your own power. But when you're not, i got news for you. When, the, when, the, when Israel was out there wandering around in that wilderness, and they needed food, then people were seeking God full time. Oh, they loved the Lord God. Yes, it's God that gave us the manna. It's God that brought that water forth out of that rock. Your sufficiency, their sufficiency wasn't within themselves. It was within God. But when they got fat and full, then their sufficiency became within themselves. And it happens today in the church world today. We in the ministry get to thinking, oh, look what we have built and look what we have done and look what we have accomplished. Oh, of course, it's all for God. We haven't accomplished or built anything because our sufficiency is God. And God is the one that brings it forth. God is the one that ordains it. You can't build a church unless God's got his hand on it anyway. It won't work. You can get little gatherings, and, and that's what I keep saying about it in this city here. We've got people that's got little old gatherings of 10, 15 people calling to church. People just understand there can be a church raised up in this town that will work and it will actually turn heads of people. But no, their, their sufficiency is in them. In them. They think, oh, look what God's called me to do. And I don't know. You've got to get to the place where you realize your insufficiency to be able to be used by God. 
You've got to get to a place of being able to realize how insufficient we really... My brothers and sisters, God will still have a church tomorrow if you're not here or I'm not here on the face of this earth. He'll still have a church tomorrow if you decide to quit serving God today. Get right down to it. The Lord... The Lord I'll share this with you. In my life, the Lord God had such a neat way of showing me I'd been to a lot of big meetings and been called out of a lot of big crowds and prophesied to about what God had called me to do us in the ministry and, and what I would do for the Lord God. And it all went to my head. I, I, I become very sufficient within myself. Mm-hmm, yes, here I was. I'd go into churches this size and I'd think, well, you know, that's a nice preacher, but uh, he only knew what God had called me to do and my sufficiency was all in myself and I was kind of like some of those people over there in Illinois. I'd let myself get lullabied to sleep. I wasn't seeking God because I was doing all right. Everything was coming up roses. I wasn't the end of the end of seeking God as I once was. And I said I just went to sleep. Finally, one day I went to praying, and things was kind of got in a bind. And I saw, of course, like everyone else, boy, I'm going to seek God. So I jumped in there and went seeking Him. And after I had sought God there for a good ten minutes or so, probably all of a sudden I got quiet before the Lord, and I thought, now the Lord, God, may just speak to me here and give me some guidance. And He did. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, Son, He said, I think you have uh, uh, grossly misunderstood the calling that's in your life. I said, I don't understand that, Lord. I said, you had brother such and such and brother such and such and on down the line you had them call me out of crowds and prophesy to me I said I don't think I misunderstood stood what was told me maybe you need to go back through it with me and he said no 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 not those words he said well, what you fail to understand is that he said I have anointed you just in the way that those people prophesied because it was me speaking out of their bellies he said, I have anointed you, and you can do exactly what I've said that you will do. But he said, somewhere you missed this whole thing is that this thing isn't a shoe-in. This thing isn't automatic. He said, you're going to have to do something to get to that place. He said, and he said, let, let me just put it this way. You can either make up your mind that you're going to do it and get it done, or he said, you can stay lullaby to sleep, and I'll bring somebody else up that'll do it anyway. I told that one night and made a sister plumb mad, and she come up and got all over me after service. She said, God just doesn't speak to us that way. I said, well, he did me. I said, I thank God that he did. Woke me up. I began to realize something, brothers and sisters. God did not have to have me. God doesn't have to have me in Evansville, Indiana, for people to be saved. Or to be healed or filled with the Holy Ghost or, or, or devils cast out of miracles come into the lives. God doesn't have to have me here. Then I came down to the realism the fact that he used a donkey and a rooster. That kind of gets you down where you live, doesn't it? That can kind of humble you and put you right where you belong. God told me, he said, well, he said I've used donkeys and, uh, donkey and rooster. He said, I can use anything. He said, I chose to use you. I ordained you. He said, I've anointed you. But he said, that doesn't mean nothing. He said, I've got thousands of preachers I've ordained and anointed that today aren't doing nothing. Some of them are drunk. Some of them are drug addicts. He said, that don't mean nothing. 
He said, your sufficiency is me, not you. Well, I wish I could say I learned that lesson that day altogether. I learned part of it. At least it woke me up and got me going, okay? And then every once in a while, the Lord's still got to come back. and still got to come back and still got to remind me that, hey, I'm your sufficiency. You're insufficient. You're insufficient. I'm your sufficiency. Let me do this through you, not you trying to do it. God knows best. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible.